Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation that is, well, perhaps today's conversation won't be mundane, but we try to have a calm conversation, one that we hope you can just listen and drift off and feel free to drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. We used to say this often. We used to say this is the only podcast we hope you never get to the end of. And I don't know why we stopped saying that, but I really do hope this podcast leads you to some delicious Z's. I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and joining me in the studio, I have the privilege of welcoming Sienna Tristan. Welcome. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Sienna, this is very exciting. We were having conversations. You have a book that has just come out. You wrote a book mm-hmm. called The Insomniac's Assistant. I did. And so when I knew you were coming as a guest, I was, oh, just so excited about it. Excited in a way only an an insomniac can be. Mm -hmm. And I will say in preparation of this interview, I did not sleep last night. (laughs) I had a really strong bout of insomnia. And I know a lot of our listeners, too, have that. So just know that you're not alone. So, Tristan, welcome to the Insomnia Project. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I want to start by saying you are a linguist, mm-hmm. a book, desi- book designer, mm-hmm. an illustrator, amongst many other multi-talented <laughs> uh, things that you do. But we share a love for linguistics because I studied linguistics and you are a linguist. And that was really awesome to talk about. There's not many people that I know or that I meet who we happen to share that particular um, academic affinity. You know, most of the time, all of my friends are English majors. Sometimes they're French majors um, or psychology. But I know very few people who, uh, who've who also spent four or five years of their lives devoted to the tool of language. And how has this um, sort of studies in linguistics influenced your writing? So much, honestly. You know, I feel that a greater intimacy with, again, the tool that is language really helps you to look at it from a more logical standpoint in terms of things like rhythm and cadence and all of those sort of overarching parts of language that are not necessarily your grammar or your vocabulary, although that comes in as well. It very much helps, especially with poetry, to uh, just to give you that extra 
that extra intimacy, that extra understanding of why human beings react to certain strings of words the way that they do and how to manipulate that in a way that is um, useful to the writer and to the audience. Amazing. And this isn't your first novel. You have a novel entitled The The Heretic's Guide to Homecoming, (laughs) which is has been described as a mental health narrative disguised as a fantasy adventure. Can we talk about that before we get into the insomniac's assistant? For sure. So uh, in addition to knowing a lot of people who have trouble sleeping, I also know a lot of people, and I am a person who has a lot of trouble sometimes interacting with people. You know, we all have a lot of anxiety um, I find in in this day and age, whether it's something more chronic or just a generalized generalized unease or lack of self-confidence. And um, I took five years to write The Heretic's Guide to Homecoming, and I started writing it when I was about 19 years old. Wow. Yeah, I was in university, and so I had a lot of questions about how to how to be, you know, how to be a person, how to be independent, how to be self-confident. And writing the book was sort of my answer to myself. You know, I didn't have easy answers. I sure. figured the the most lasting and worthwhile thing to do about trying to answer those questions would be to put any thoughts I had into a narrative because then I could return to it, um, as I'm doing recently, sure. uh, when I inevitably forget the answers to these questions. Oh, my goodness. No. Um <laughs> This book sounds fascinating, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be like, oh, I want to get my hands on that, The Heretic's Guide to Homecoming. Where could one fetch this book? It's in a couple of places. If you are lucky enough to be located in Toronto, there Mm. are a couple of independent bookstores that stock them on the shelves, notably Glad Day Bookstore, which is the oldest LGBTQ bookstore in the world, Amazing. um, and Baca Phoenix, which is the, um, I believe, the oldest sci-fi fantasy bookstore in Canada. Okay. Um, That's just on, um, is it DuPont? Uh, Harvard and Harvard, Spadina. Sorry, Harvard and Spadina. Yeah, yes, of course. It's not far. I know it because there's an RBC bank right near it, and my uh, wife banks at RBC. And ah. so I'll go into the bookstore bookstore while she's ba- – and you don't need to know my life of banking and whatnot, but I know that <laughs> bookstore. It's a great bookstore. It's very welcoming. They have ice water there in the summertime. For You don't need to buy anything. You can just stop in, enjoy the air conditioning, and have a sip of water on Baca. They're I- wonderful people. I love bookstores and I love libraries. Are your books in libraries? I don't know. This is one of those things as an author, regardless of being traditionally published or indie published, um, a lot of the time your books show up in places that you don't know because you didn't. Of course. You know, especially with libraries, they're here to serve the public. I love libraries. Um, What's your favorite library? I'm just going to start by saying, if you haven't been to the Waterloo Public Library... I haven't. Love it. Anyways, I'll I'll bounce that question back to you. Yeah, I... You know, I'm, I'm a sucker for the big Toronto Public Reference Library uh, at Bloor yes. Young. It's so many floors, and it almost feels like the higher you go, the quieter it gets. Yes. So you have, like, levels. If you kind of want the, the hubbub of the main floor, but you don't want to be interrupted, you can stay there. But if you really want just, like, a quiet sanctuary to just, like, think deep thoughts, you can just go right up to the top. It's so great. Yeah. There's a beautiful library in New York that reminds me of the Toronto Reference mm. Library. I think it's the New York Public Library, the big one. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And one in Chicago, too, that I love. 
I want to talk to you after the uh, after we record mm. about if your books are in libraries, how you can make sure that you also receive some monies. Uh, that would be the, great because that's that's very important for an author who has books out there, and I'm sure you can go to those uh, bookstores or go online at those bookstores and see if you can get a copy mm-hmm. as well. I want. I know we're bouncing around a lot here. Um, you have this awesome website yes. uh, called welcometoshale.com. Tell me about that before we get into this book that I'm holding in my hand, this precious book called The Insomniac's <laughs> Assistant. So the Shale Project is, you know, the elevator pitch for the Shale Project is a multimedia storytelling initiative roughly in the shape of a planet. So me and my co-founder, Avi Silver, the two of us have essentially built this big, robust, lustrous fantasy world. And now we are populating it with as many stories and as many different mediums as we can. So we've each published a novel now. Heretic's Guide was my debut. Avi Silver has just published their book, Two Dark Moons. Um, But we also do music. We're working on a soundtrack. We do illustrations. We do interactive media. Basically as many different ways to immerse people in this world as we can. Um, and so the website is a big part of that. If you were to go on to welcometoshale.com, it's kind of a – if you've seen the Lonely Planet um, travel guides. Yes, of course. It's kind of like – it was inspired by that. So you get to sort of click through all the different continents and cities and Ancient worlds. places. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's – it's sort of our um, – almost our Wikipedia our, our styled Wikipedia of everything that's on this planet um, for people to peruse and to enjoy and to hopefully get a little more context about the things that they're reading uh, because you can't fit all of your world building into your novel. Sometimes it just doesn't fit. Definitely check out welcometoshale.com. Now, The Insomniac's Assistant was brought to me because of the word on the street festival that's happening in Toronto. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about the word on the street? So the word on the street is a huge book and magazine literary festival that happens at the end of September every year. This year... um, 2019. The word on the street is is celebrating their 30th anniversary. Um, So big year this year. Lots of fun, expanded programming. Um, We have all kinds of really marvelous Canadian authors coming, including, you know, some really big names, household names, but also some rising stars because word on the street really strives to keep ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, the publishing landscape and the Canadian literary landscape. So they're very invested in uplifting new voices and diverse voices instead of just giving the same platform to uh, the same people over and over. They love to bring everyone into the crush. So great. And that's what makes Canadian literature and Canadian um, writers, authors, books so unique and so great. The Just the cross-culture of variety of people um, north to south, east to west, in, in the Maritimes, on the islands, everywhere. It's, there's so many wonderful voices. Yeah, and I think that the conversations that get sparked at events like this are also really valuable and worth having, especially uh, in these these often troubled times. It's really wonderful to see such a broad range of people and experiences all coming together for one or two days. Um, just to talk about art and storytelling sure. and how it informs our citizenship and our personhood. So it's it's bound to be a really fun time. Well, speaking of rising stars, you are going to be there at the end of September at the Word 
on the street festival. Is it called festival or just word on the street Toronto? It's the word on the street Toronto. Okay. I don't know why I add festival to it. It is a festival. I know, but, you know, I'm going to add that to everything I say today. I'm just going to say festival. Can I have a grande latte festival and see what the barista at the Starbucks says to me? (laughs) Um, So now I'm going to dedicate the rest of of this episode to your book, The Insomniac's Assistant, and I'm really excited about it. I'm just going to describe the book for a moment. It's perfectly square. It is beautifully illustrated. It looks like block illustration. I don't know if that's the correct term. Is is that what the illustrations are? Yeah, they're lino cut illustrations. Oh my God. So this is all the thing about Penrose, the people who published the Insomniac's Assistant, is that they their mandate is to treat emerging voices as if they are already international bestsellers and to give their art the treatment that 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 engenders. And so um, all of the illustrations in there were hand-carved. They were printed on a Vandercook press. Um, the books were all hand-bound as well. I actually got to oh, I got to stitch oh, yes. a couple of those. Look, yeah. I can see the stitching in it. Okay, so I need to just say, uh, from a tactile perspective, first of all, looking at the colors, they're perfect colors when you think uh, dream state or relaxing states. They're deep, they're rich, they're subtle. Um, they they blend with other colors so well. The pages of your book, I'm really into the tooth of pages. So there's this beautiful quality of the paper. I know our listeners are like, are we going to get to the book or is Marco just going to describe no, it? No, we're going to talk about book binding yeah. for the next 20 minutes. And you're an illustrator. Yes. So let me ask you this. You didn't illustrate this. How... How do you feel about the illustrations? And did you were you involved in picking the illustrator for your book? I love every illustration in there. In fact, I mean, I, I've got my hair up today, so if you flip to the back cover, you can kind of see that the the main protagonist is vaguely based off of what I look yes. like, which is is kind of cute. Um, so Brianna Toswell is one half of Penrose Press. She is the illustrator for the publishing house, and so everything that they put out is well. Starting now, actually, they are starting to um, collaborate with other artists in Toronto. But this one, at least, was done by Brianna. She's just so insightful and so keen and so eager to um, ask the writers' opinions as well. You know, we would sit down and have a lot of conversations about themes and symbolism. And if you needed to have just a couple of these scenes illustrated, which ones would you pick? And, you know, I was very involved in the art direction so of great. the book. Um, now, the Insomniac's Assistant, sorry, that's me ruffling pages in case you're wondering what those sounds are. The Insomniac's Assistant is a verse novel, a single narrative told in a series of poems. I know our listeners understand what that means, but I need you to just take it a step back and explain that to me. Sure. So, and you know, I didn't actually know if there was a term for this thing that I had made until my wonderful editor, Natalie, um, said that, no, this is actually a a time-honored tradition that you've stumbled upon. Shout out to Natalie. Natalie Live. She's great. Um, So... A verse novel essentially is one story, one narrative that is told instead of through prose, through poetic forms. So there's about 19 or 20 poems in here, but you have to read them front to back in order to get the full, complete story. So you can't skip around like... Like a traditional novel, you want to read it from start to finish. Exactly. Unlike some poetic books or books of poetry where you can sort of go to a poem that sort of speaks to you, you're going to get the 
full intent of the author if you read it from start to finish. Is that is that fair to say? That's correct. Okay. You could almost think of it as one very long poem that oh. has just been broken up into easily digestible chunks. Yeah, it, there are a few things in here that could be standalone. Sure. But given the premise of the book... Um, and how surreal it is, it might be a little difficult to wrap your head around without the introduction. Can we hear you read? I love when authors read their own works, and I love listening to audiobooks. And uh, Sienna's flipping through a page. She's going to read in your time. But I have to say, this is the first time we've had an author read from their book, so I'm very, very delighted whenever you're ready, Sienna. Sure thing. So I'm going to read probably the first two poems of The Insomniac's Assistant. My business card, or a night class in entrepreneurship. When I realized there was no job title for what I do, I started calling myself the insomniac's assistant. I had some runners-up, like sleep clinics delivery service or human hypnagogue, but one would be a lie being that I have no clinic, and the other is too alliterative technobabble to be understood by a Wernicke's up past its bedtime, so I settled on something simple enough to get at 4 a.m. It's like this. There are some folks the moon sears eyelids open for, some who have a certain circadian arrhythmia, like a heart murmur, only melatonic. There are some folks who never grew into a sense of object permanence, never got to realizing the dawn will still come even if they don't wait up. I've made a living off of soothing them to sleep. An impossible job, I hear you say. The logistics alone are untenable. How do you even lock the door behind you when you leave? Well, luckily I have no need of doors. I am blade-thin, shadow-thin. So spindly I can slip in and sneak out through the space between door and jam, the crack in the kitchen tile, the window left half an inch open to catch a breeze. Safe. Secure. And with reasonable rates to boot, they call, though they do not know the number, and I answer, though I do not have a phone, and do this work to which I am uniquely suited, come to combat what keeps us up at night. These are the tools of the trade. A flask of homemade hot chocolate, an antique music box, a mother's love, a grandmother's patience, a child's willingness to listen, a house cat's comforting nonchalance, a lonely girl's imagination, a massage therapist's hands, a magician's hands, a violinist's hands, a save worms from the pavementer's hands, a bury small things in the backyardist's hands. One. My first client is my husband. Now, you should know. My husband is the worst kind of mathematician, the worst kind of interior designer. Sometimes he washes the dishes so long his skin cracks and the soap in his veins comes bubbling up. I see the look on his face this evening and nod to myself, flexing my wafer-thin, wire-strong muscles. For this, uh, this will be one of the evenings we rearrange all of the furniture. After I've helped him shift the couch, the coffee table, the nightstand, for the twelfth or the twentieth time, we get into bed. The only furnishing that's always anchored in his mind. The steadfast sun around which all our fixtures orbit. He hovers, anxious over me, stroking my cheekbone with such gentleness, such frantic rhythm, earnest eyes begging the numbers on the clock to make sense. 
to line up just right, there never is a good time to switch off, is there? After a while, I reach for the socket, unplug the clock, draw his head to my breast saying, listen, listen. It keeps going no matter how many calculations you fumble, doesn't it? I tap patterns on his shoulder blade, whisper prime numbers in his ear, 97, 367, 7,027. He likes the ones with sevens at the end. Prime numbers, so perfect, indivisible, untouchable, so whole. And it's not long before his tender hand slackens on my jaw, before his steatite skeleton dissolves back into the sweet water it's meant to be, back into a puddle in my arms, the kind that children can't resist jumping into, forgiving, affectionate, warm to the touch. He is my warm-up for the night. I kiss each eyelid equal, leave him curled around the scent of me, tiptoe out the door. Well, thank you. What a wonderful read, Sienna. Thank you so much. It is inspiring. It is wonderful. It is delightful. And that is an excerpt from The Insomniac's Assistant. You can see Sienna at the end of September uh, at The Word on the Street in Toronto. That's right. Uh, where will you be? Where they? Where can they see you? So I actually am going to be on a panel, uh, a world-building panel on the new Across the Universe stage, which is a, a new bit of programming that's being put together for the festival, all about sci-fi and fantasy writers and comic book artists. Um, so I'm going to be there. And then also you'll be able to find the Shale Project in the uh, exhibitor book fair happening at the Harborfront Center. Amazing. Amazing. So check out if you're in Toronto in September, towards the end of September. What are the dates? Do you know? This year, September 21st and September 22nd. You can go to the Word on the Street in Toronto. Wonderful festival. See Sienna there. Uh, go look at the Welcome to the Shale. Uh, go to the website and check out the, is it an exhibit? Is it a, an area where they can see the works from uh, Welcome to Show? Yeah, so we'll have a booth that will have the books set up. We'll probably have um, a tablet of some sort so people can look Amazing. through the website. Yeah. That's what I meant to say, a book, uh, booth. Um, mm -hmm. And that clang you heard while CNA was reading was my pen <laughs> hitting my glass, and I felt so bad. I'm sure it was a very bright sound. It was I'm very sure, nice. I'm sure Nitty, she hates it when I do that. I'm always dropping pens. I'm always making noise, so I apologize for that in case anyone was listening. Was there a clang that I just heard? Yes, and it was Marco uh, being a bad host and clanging his glass. I want to ask you, the author, how should one read this book, or where should one read this book? I love when people write me emails or send me messages saying, hey, I got this book and I tried to read it in the daytime and it just felt wrong. Okay. Um, and I also love when people write in saying, hey, I got this book and I tried to read it on my own and I quickly discovered that it's best being read out loud, especially to someone you love. Oh. There's a great review uh, like an essay-length review of Insomniac's Assistant up on Not Banging, which is a great um, blog run by two fantastic humans. Um, and they sat down, and I think they spent about three nights with this thing, just reading it to each other. Um, and most wonderful of things, uh, usually by the end of one reading, um, the person being read to had in fact fallen asleep. Oh, that's so great. So read this book to someone 
you love mm-hmm. and help them find their blissful sleep. What was the inspiration for this book? I have a lot of insomniac friends. Okay. <laughs> it's funny because I, much like the protagonist um, in the book, I actually have very little trouble falling asleep. Okay. I've never had much of an issue with it, no matter what's going on. Lucky but you. it is. I've I quickly realized that it was not the human condition, at least not these days. I have a lot of friends. I was a roommate for a couple of years with somebody who had just chronic insomnia. Right. You know, she'd get maybe three or four hours a night if she were lucky. Right. Um, and one day, just a couple of things happened uh, in quick succession of me sitting with people who were distraught because they hadn't had enough sleep and talking them down and getting them hot chocolate sure. and rubbing their backs until they were able to nod off. And I went, imagine if you could make money off of this. Okay. <laughs> that was That was the seed for it. And I wrote it in about two weeks because once I had that initial concept, it just came right out of me and all of these characters. Um, The book alternates poems that explain tidbits about the job, you know, just, again, the logistics of being an insomniac assistant. And then you get these little anecdotes about clients that she's seeing over the course of one night. The book takes place over one night, which is why I'm going to talk about the actual physicality of the book for a second. The inside cover at the beginning is a cityscape at dusk. And then Mm. actually when you get to the other side, the color progression that you mentioned, it's the same city but at dawn. Oh, that's great. Isn't that nice? I didn't – Yeah, so so... if you you kind of bend the book like this, you can see the way the colors grade from this blue to this nice pretty pink. So that's – I mentioned that the book was tactile and now I'm even more in love with it. Yeah, Brianna's really smart. So great. And, of course – we can't have Sienna Tristan uh, make us a hot chocolate or rub our back to help us fall asleep, but we can read her work in The Insomniac's Assistant, and that could be like your back rub or your um, literary hot chocolate. Where can our listeners find this book? So the Insomniac's Assistant is available from Penrose Press's online store. Amazing. So if you were to go to penrosepress.com, CA, PenrosePress.com. I'm doing a disservice to my publisher. I'm so sorry. We'll, we'll put it on um, our show notes. So for we'll sure. Make sure. So yeah. just check if out you, our show notes. If you notes. check that out, then they will be able to uh, to help you out. They'll mail internationally. It's PenrosePress.ca. Mm-hmm. And so you can uh, go there to get a copy of this book. Send them an email and let them know that you heard about the book from our podcast as well so that uh, Penrose knows that people are listening to the Insomnia Project. That's penrosepress.ca. Sorry, I feel like I interrupted you, but I noticed that. that no, was that's that's why that's why the colophon's there, so that you can check for these things. Fantastic. Now, before we say adieu, I just want to say um, how what a pleasure it was to have you on the podcast. As a writer, if we have listeners who want to put pen to paper or ink to paper or fingers to keyboards and <laughs> write. What would be some tips or suggestions that you would use to encourage them? First of all, if you want to write, you should do it. It doesn't have to be for other people's entertainment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be for money. It can just be something that brings you joy or brings you comfort or solace or understanding. So I think if you have the grain in you to write for any purpose, you should you should do it. As far as how and, and what to actually write, the advice I always give people is to figure out what you are passionate about. 
Like, what do you want to say in this life? Mm -hmm. You know, not just what do you care a lot about. It could also be what makes you angry. You know, Ooh. what problem do you want to solve with what you have to say? And sure. that usually gets you on the right path to telling a story that's important to you. Well, thank you, Sienna, Tristan. Thank you for being on our uh, podcast today. You're always welcome to come back when you write additional books or if you just want to talk about the books that you have or any projects, we're happy to have you on the Insomnia Project. Check out Tri uh, Sienna Tristan at the Word on the Street Festival at the end of September here in Toronto. I know it doesn't have the word festival in it. It's the Word on the Street Toronto. <laughs> And uh, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me down here. It's been it's been really lovely. Awesome. So uh, as always, the Insomnia Project is produced by Drumcast Productions. We recorded this episode in Toronto, Canada. And if you listen to our podcast and want to listen on Radio Public, it costs you nothing, but we see some money from every listen on that platform. So if you don't care where you listen to your podcasts, whether it's ours or other podcasts, listen to them on Radio Public. Until the next time, we hope you listen and sleep. <laughs>